Hi, and welcome to the World Networking Podcast. Today, John joins us on the show to teach us about some of his life experiences. He's adventured out into the wild of the Colorado River. He's done musical ventures, and he's here today to show you what he's accomplished in his adventures and time here on Earth so far. So I hope you join us today in discussion that we have around such topics. Thanks again, and we really do hope you enjoy. Hi, welcome to the World Networking Podcast. Today we have John joining us, and he will be having a discussion with me about various elements that he's been through in, in his career and um, his life experience. John, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, Cameron. Hi. Good morning, and uh, thanks for having me. And uh, greetings to the uh, to the listeners. Absolutely, I can't wait to dive into some of the subjects we're going to dive into with with your past. I, I think, um, you know, the first point you you sent me here. Lucky to be here. Um, a, a good sense of uh, positivity. I, I read from you. How do you stay positive with with some of the stuff that you've been through in life? Um, priorities, you know, everything is, everything is priorities. And, uh, I guess, um, you know, I'm not taking yourself too seriously. Uh, you try to, uh, gather, you know, uh, ideas and thoughts from the people around you and uh, draw off their energy. Um, it's, it's helpful to have, uh, some, some goals and some, uh, some direction to where you'd like to go with your life. And, uh, when you, when you take incremental steps toward that, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a positive feeling when you actually can accomplish something. Sure. Yeah. I think motivating uh, positive discipline, you know, having, uh, traits where you learn how to connect with yourself, with your innermost emotions and coordinating that in an effective manner. It, it's something that it's, not direct in well, you, never, you never you never start out that way you know you you start exactly. out just trying to figure things out and you know and, and in my life you know i i landed in a in a small town by uh my parents and an older sister who uh, were you were coming out of the second world war and you know they had experiences that were unlike anything that probably that any of us that are alive now uh, would have experienced, you know, my, my, my parents were born in the early twenties. So they're, uh, you know, they're, they, that was over a hundred years ago. And the, uh, the hardships that they had, uh, were, were extreme compared to most of what we've experienced now. And, you know, here I come plopping into the world, you know, you know, into their lives. Um, and, uh, I was real lucky not to be born 20 years earlier, uh, because that uh, that was a real rough time in, in this country, and certainly certainly for them. So, um, you know, I I got a got a good start, and you know, nobody has any control over where they're born or or to whom they're born. So, um, you know, you you look out with your genes and your placement, and and you go from there. Sure, yeah. There's there's a lot to uncover there with with how scenarios line up you know society has 
always ventured through a lot of turmoil and hardship, unfortunately, over over many years, where there's just unruly amounts of negatives and 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 positives both that that develop through these events but you know the the people that live through those times it's truly monumental learning how they decided you know their their course of action would handle and would lay out to be in those kinds of times um i i know some of the world war ii stories i've heard personally like like one person i know from from my hometown um her grandmother was uh, part of the french resistance and ah. she ended up going through 13 factories or something like that uh labor camps different different uh like she was trying to prevent herself from getting to the labor camps and she had to um do all sorts of things to to sneak and and embezzle her way back to france from those factories and it's just a crazy story of of monumental courage you know i mean at a point she stood in the middle of the road telling uh telling this german crew to to just give her a ride she was tired of walking you know and i i couldn't imagine how gutsy you'd have to to be to really after a war with so much devastation to to stand in the middle of the road and be like look I, I like I'm done. Like, I take a risk. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, in my case, you know, and, and there's, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of, of stories, but I'm lucky to be here because, you know, my father having an honest assessment of, of your skills and uh, where you're going with life really is healthy. And in my case, I had some, some people around me, the you know, some relatives around me, and some friends around me that uh, were always good at pointing out both my faults and occasionally my strong points, and you know that that leads to developing of a character. I joined the uh, the Boy Scouts as a as a as a brand new Cub Scout. They called a Bobcat in those days, which was the entry rank of uh, scouting, and uh, that gave me a chance to find out. Um, a lot about life and, and basic skills and and led to a progression of of ranks, but it was more than that. It was saying, okay, I have an intermediate, I have a long-term goal. Uh, maybe I want to go all the way through this program, but the first step is uh, I have to do these these tasks in order to get to the first step. And then when you get there, you see the next set of tasks and you do those. And ultimately, you get uh, all the way through that, that program. And, and then there was a transition to Boy Scouts. And the transition led to setting up more goals and more skills and the developing of, of more um, comfort with uh, you know, both the people that I was, the kids that I was working with and uh, and growing with, as well as the leaders that were, were helping us. Eventually, uh, my goal was to become an Eagle Scout. And uh, there was a clear way to do that. And if you did those things one step at a time, you got there. And so I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to do that. And so were a lot of other people. And 
well, I'm, I'm proud of what I was able to achieve, I also clearly understand that I didn't get there without a lot of leaders and mentors and, uh, and people that, uh, that I can name that, that helped along the way. I now, I now know how to tie a bowline and a, and a, and a, a square knot and all the other things that uh, have served me well through life. Along that way, I also learned how to, uh, to be part of a team and to be a leader on a team. So good life skills, but step one step at a time. Yeah, that's a lot to learn, you know, and knots. I, I don't know how many people following the show have, have tangled with knots, so to speak, much, <laughs> but yeah, it's quite to tangle. Yeah, <laughs> I have learned that plenty of times going fishing. I, I had to make a laminated book at a point. Um, you know, I, I got so sick of it, so sick of it. But, you know, you pick up these little things, and if you hang on to them, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, reading, writing, math, uh, science, uh, not tying, uh, learning to get along with uh, your fellow people, uh, all of those skills are, you know, they're learned one at a time, and and you build on them, and, you know, you make mistakes, and you say, well, I'm not going to do that again, and that was a a bad choice. and hopefully it doesn't uh whatever whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger yeah and hopefully that knot's untieable (laughs) (laughs) uh well that's great no that's that's i'm glad that you brought that up that was something i wanted to get into and and you you know on on that line um are there any other fun facts about yourself fun facts um fun facts I something, me, something you know out of out of the ordinary. Let me, I'll give you I'll give you three, Cameron, and you can you could choose which one if if any that you want to elaborate on. Uh, I once rode a DeLorean uh, through the back lots of Disneyland. Um, I once uh, I once had a, a bear, black bear that was tranquilized, wake up in the back of the station wagon, probably foot behind my head. And I once uh, I once shared an office with a thousand antique milk bottles. Oh, I got to hear about the milk bottles. As crazy <laughs> as all those other two are, the, what the milk bottles? Huh? Yeah. Um, there was a time when I was uh, head of uh, the state's uh, historic collections. Uh, we had a warehouse in Sacramento. And this was at the time when uh, we had just finished building the State Railroad Museum in Sacramento, Old Sacramento, and uh, I had just completed work on the uh, state capitol um, during the restoration, and then I was the director of the state capitol museum for a while. Um, And when I left that job, I went to uh, Old Sacramento to this warehouse where acres of of, uh, antiques, Furniture, paintings, uh, Indian baskets, uh, native art, uh, all kinds of stuff uh, was being stored and collected uh, with a likelihood that it likelihood that it would be used in uh, displays in various parks and museums around the state. And at the time, they were collecting milk bottles and milk um, related paraphernalia memorabilia for intended use in a dairy museum somewhere in the state. 
So we had over a thousand milk bottles uh, in the collection in Sacramento, uh, and it was next to the office where I was I was working. It, to this day, we've never done a dairy museum. We have, however, done uh, a state India museum and a state citrus museum. So that's the story of the milk bottles. Huh. Yeah, I'd, I would have never guessed. I, I didn't know that you worked on uh, any projects like that, too, or around that. Um, that's that's very interesting. Great fun fact. <laughs> um, something I wanted to get into is you, you kind of touched on a little bit of your um, story with education experience there. But uh, did you end up going to college anywhere? I did. I did. When I was in sixth grade, uh, by that time I had, uh, you know, had a lot of scouting trips, backpacking trips, camping trips, uh, and also with my family. Um, we like to camp. And I developed a great interest and love of parks and outdoor settings. And uh, by the time I was in the sixth grade, I thought, you know, I think I'd really like to be a, a ranger. You know, a forest ranger or a park ranger. I don't know that I had a real clear sense of of what the goal exactly was, but I knew it was something in that in that sense. And so I set my sights on that. And by the time I got through high school, um, and with more camping and backpacking and travel and what's not, um, I decided that I wanted to to be a park ranger. And the only school at the time that had offered a degree in park management was in Sacramento. Uh, at the time, it was called Sacramento State College. It's now California State University, Sacramento. And uh, they had a program that was developed by a national park ranger and a state park um, uh, person. And, and it was a small department, but uh, they offered a degree in park management. And that's where I went. And, Four years later, graduated with a degree in, in environmental resources, uh, park management, um, right at the time when the state of California was offering uh, tests for park rangers. And I took the test and did well enough to uh, land a job as a park ranger. I uh, started, uh, started seasonally in, uh, in the mountains at uh, Plumas Eureka State Park, someplace that you should know, Kara. And uh, went from there to, to Folsom Lake and began a 35-year career with uh, state parks. What's your favorite lake to visit? My favorite lake? Ooh. Uh, well, lots of lakes in the state. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, maybe, say, uh, Lake Tanaya. I spent uh, a year in Yosemite working on, a, on a, uh, for the National Park Service. And... Uh, uh, had some had some time uh, in the backcountry there, but uh, yeah, you know, many many lakes in the state, and they're all uh, they're all great. Yeah, truly. No, uh, I I definitely enjoy some of the lakes uh, in Plymouth County for the tranquility they bring. Um, that's something I always valued. Silver Lake was my favorite for that reason. It's kind of okay. high up there, and that's um a very very fun thing to do is, is check out the geography and, and geology of those areas every time, you know? Well, I'm sure you're familiar with the Lakes Basin area. That's, a, that's another great place. So. 
spent oh, a lot of absolutely. time in the area too. Yeah. I think uh, Clear Lake's also the other one that I enjoy. <laughs> it, it just oh, yeah. seems like, you know, especially when you're coming the backside towards uh, Northern California from uh, the Sonoma area, there's that whole pass over that mountain it feels like you're going into Jurassic Park every time. I swear. That's a scary road, but it's a very beautiful one at the same time. Um, but I digress. I just wanted to kind of see and, and get a feel for what sense of adventure you have. I took a three-week trip with two buddies. Uh, we hiked the John Muir Trail from uh, Yosemite Ooh. down to Mount Whitney. and. That's a that's a that's a that's a trail that's iconic and everybody should do it if they can. And there's fine fine scenery and lakes and and a real challenge. And there, there's there's another opportunity to set a goal and 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 work toward achieving it. it uh, it'll it'll kick your butt, but it's a it's it's well worth it. So and you know, Cameron, I I have to say I did that when I was 65 years old. Wow. Wow, you you destroyed the John Muir Trail. <laughs> I can't believe that. I mean, that's a that's a ballsy move. The, <laughs> there's a lot of people your age that wouldn't even consider. Um, oh, listen, I was, a, I was a I was a youngster compared to some of the guys we met out there. We we uh, camped one night next to a father son team, and the father was close to eighty. And he wow. hiked in. He'd hiked in three or four days to get to where we were. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a, there's a lot of strong dudes on that trail. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes to show keeping physical prowess is is important. You know, and there's no reason age should be uh, always a factor to to hold you down. You know, it's there's mind over matter. Truth well, you know, we've talked before about consequences and, and decisions that are made. And, you know, decisions you make in your own life have consequences. And, you know, I grew up at a time when the drug culture was just beginning in, uh, in California. And, you know, that easily could sidetrack a person. I chose to not do that because I, I could see some of the consequences of it. And, and that would that would have really sidetracked the goals that I had set for myself. And so by, by not engaging in some practices that have adverse consequences, it allowed me to, to stay healthy and to uh, continue to, to, to hike, to backpack, to fish, to do the outdoor things that I enjoy doing. And uh, to this day, to, uh, to still, I mean, I, I was out this morning and I got my, well, it's not quite five miles yet. It's 4.85 miles that I've got on my Fitbit right now. Um, but I'll finish five miles, which is my goal for the day. Um, and that's what allowed me to uh, to do the John Muir and the sections of the Pacific Coast Trail um, even after that. And to, uh, and to go down the Colorado River uh, uh, in, a, uh, in a dory at age 70. How neat, man! That's that. I mean, the the Colorado River must have been a blast. Oh, it was a tremendous experience. Uh, it's something I wanted to do. Uh, I I did some training at the Grand Canyon early in my park career. You know, I've had a have had a a real soft spot for the canyon ever since, and uh, to be able to uh, to actually get on the river and and spend three weeks 
uh, floating from one end to the other. Uh, it was it was truly a joy. It's a, it was a real life life goal for me. Now I have a question about um, kind of you know, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I, I'm just curious your take on alcohol and your journey with it. If you had any negatives or like because I, I know the military with um military life and in general there's a lot of connotation with alcohol of course um with with a lot of that side of things it's 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 understandable of course but i just didn't know if you had a dynamic for people that were maybe looking at the military life because I, I know personally some people i've talked to in the past that you know, they, they had to step away from it because of that kind of mentality. Some people in their groups had, they just couldn't handle being in, in such a, a pressing environment. Well, you know, I spent uh, time in the military and we can get into that uh, if you want, but you asked about alcohol specifically. And, you know, alcohol is, is, is like many other things in life in moderation. And it's not bad for you. Uh, into excess, it can do you harm and eventually kill you. Uh, if not, if not directly, uh, certainly indirectly through the effects it has on your body. Um, so you know they say that uh, you know a little red wine is good for the heart. Um, I, I I don't know that there's uh, a whole lot of value in um, a lot of beer, but you know. I know it's very refreshing after a hard day's work or a, a hard day's hike to uh, to have a cold one. Um, again, that's not going to kill you or, or uh, do much damage. But if you're smart enough to know your limits, uh, then it will go well with you. And you know, if you're not smart enough or you don't exercise um, the, the right amount of discipline over it, uh, it can get the best of you. And uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people that have gone. Uh, gone real south uh, when they're when they don't have the proper amount of, of respect for what what alcohol of any kind can do to you. Yeah, yeah, I, I lost a, a family member back uh, in the early or late late two thousands from alcohol. Just to, for that sheer fact, you know, they the can't can't find pace, can't find balance. It happens in a lot of cases. Um, you know, the worst thing you can do is is have is have a little too much and then get in an automobile because then not only are you putting yourself at risk, but the other people on the road. And you know, and and I in my in my park career, there have been times when I've had to clean up those messes that uh, that other people have caused. And and uh, um, you know, both in vehicles and on in, in boats. Um, uh, there was a time when I was I was working in reservoirs, and uh, uh, we'd have to go explain to a family member that their their family member didn't make it because uh, alcohol was a factor in decisions they made on the water, and it resulted in in their demise. Not fun. No, no, and, and you know that's that's the reason I I didn't even know. Um, your involvement with with alcohol on that level and then yeah i'm i'm sorry you had to witness some of that stuff i mean there's unfortunately a lot of service personnel that that do that daily you know it it's it's something we have to really give respect to 
Um, that's that's not ideal, and unfortunately, that's one of those things in society you, you can't really control. There's there's always going to be a factor of people want to be uncontrollable, and yeah, we see that in a lot of cases: gambling, um, drug abuse. Yeah, there's 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 a quantity of of, of um, discussions to be had there, but it's no no less tragic. And um, I definitely applaud you for for helping with those cases too. I mean, that's not not just everyone could do that, and um, that's that's a very honorable thing, even though it's not ideal. Again, it, it's a tougher part of the job. You know, there are, there are more pleasant parts of the job. Yeah, yeah, surely. Backpedaling to the, the military, um, is that something you wanted to? Well, uh, you know, I can I can tell you the sort of, you know, my story, which is probably similar to, to many, many stories. I came of age uh, during the Vietnam War. And if you recall from you know, your case history, we had a draft. And there was a lottery to uh, to decide who was going to be drafted into, into the military to uh, fight in Vietnam. And the year that my my birth date um, required that uh, that I be in the in the lottery, guys that had uh, had low lottery numbers, they knew where they were going, and you know, and they had they were able to make their plans, and they. Uh, you know, they, they figured that they were either going to be drafted or that they had to go join a service branch. The guys with high numbers were not probably going to get called. I was right in the middle. Uh, I was, I, my number was 124, and that year they went to 125. So if I hadn't uh, made a decision on my own, I would have been drafted. Um, I had actually uh, taken the test for, uh, for the Coast Guard. And I scored pretty well on the test. Um, I think I scored a 96, but they weren't taking anybody that didn't, didn't score uh, at 98 or above. So uh, that was uh, that was not to be. Um, but you know, Cameron, as as you and I both um, had some experience um, with music, uh, I had uh, had by that time had. Um, a few years of piano because my mother was a piano teacher and then started playing percussion in junior high and then in high school and then in college. And by the time I got done with college, um, you know, I could handle myself pretty well with music. And so found out that there was a army band in the national guard in Sacramento where I was living. And I went down and auditioned and was accepted into the 59th Army Band and uh, joined the California National Guard and spent the next 35 years um, working with the National Guard in one, in one form or another. I ended up having to leave the band when I moved to my next park assignment. Um, and I did a variety of jobs in, in the National Guard, um, but then came back to the band later in my in my career, and over the course of that time, progressed from a you know just an absolute buck private 
um, through the ranks and eventually became the first sergeant of the band and the, and the enlisted band leader uh, for the for the Army band. And uh, if it hadn't been for my mother teaching me piano and deciding to uh, join the uh, um, junior high band in seventh grade, I would probably be uh, either a Vietnam casualty or uh, maybe a, a walking wounded from uh, from the Vietnam conflict. But uh, uh, again, the choices you make and the consequences that, that come of that um, they were they were uh, turned out well for me, and I'm grateful for that and for all the people that uh, taught me along the way and accepted me uh, 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 into. Uh, uh, what, uh, during the audition and into the, into the ranks. That's quite the story. I have to admit, I being um, the the lead, you were conducting, were you not? Um, I I didn't do much conducting because there were others that had better skills at that. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, planning and directing a lot of the training and, and, the, and the weekend activities that we had to. I had to do uh, the drills and the and the performances. I was I was involved in most of that. That's awesome. Ah, oh, that it's just a really really cool experience to have. I'm sure. Uh, and we took some great we took some great trips too. We uh, um, we the again the the fun fact on the on the Delorean story that was on a on a on a band tour that we took to Southern California and we played at Disneyland and no and, no kidding. Uh, we uh, we we played on a stage uh, somewhere on the other side of the of the park, and we got all done and and we're wrapping things up and we're back getting ready to load the bus and the and the trucks with all of our equipment. And I was taking inventory, realized that we were missing a gong, a gong that you know we had used as part of the part of the uh, concert. And it was gong. It was, it was just gong. gong. Was gone. <laughs> That's right. So. So um, the guy that was the, the the liaison from Disneyland said, "Well, come on, we'll go back over to the uh, uh, to the uh, concert site and see if it's there." Hop in my car, and we went. The, you know, back that's the whole back lot in Disneyland. There's a whole backstage that you don't see, um, and so we go through this little door, and we're in the back lot of Disneyland, and and his car is the DeLorean, and so. So we're, go, we're we're zipping around through the back back lots of Disneyland over to the concert. And sure enough, there was the gong, and we, we 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 brought it back. So I've seen the backside of Disneyland, and it's 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 just like a a a movie or a a stage set that you'd see where you know the the front's all nice and pretty and pristine, and the back has got duct tape and and styrofoam and you know all kinds of stuff. So. Man, shh, don't get the Disney Disney police on me. All right. We got to keep it low. (laughs) It's magic. It's magic duct tape. All right. That's right. That's That's awesome. Um, I really think that's the, that counts for a once in a lifetime story right there though. Uh, Especially, you know, the missing gong. How many people come to Disneyland with that problem? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, something I wanted to get back into is, um, is there something with the national guard that you learned going in that you weren't necessarily prepared for, um, a challenge you had to overcome with maybe with discipline or, or just timing? 
for me personally or for uh, the, the units I was, I was involved in? Maybe both. Um, I, I think one of the things the military does for you, it, it's, a, it's a great melting pot. You know, and, and I grew up in, in rural Sonoma County, which was mostly white middle class or lower middle class. Um, true, we had uh, you know a few sprinklings of of kids in my class that were people of color, but they were just other kids. I mean, I didn't think anything about um, that they were any any different. But once you go into the military, especially when you go through basic training, um, you see people that are from all walks of life, all social economic levels. Uh, all racial backgrounds, all cultural backgrounds, and and you really find yourself crossing many other cultures and 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 thought pat- patterns that you may be unfamiliar with, um, and uh, and so it was it, it was a real learning experience for me and how to how to how to deal with that, how to both accept that and and get along with that. Um, I learned a whole new vocabulary that I, I had not been exposed to before. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I would like to think that, that they learned so, a few things from me too. We, we had people from, from many other parts of the country and particularly from the deep South, um, that, that, you know, our, our ways on the West coast were, were foreign to them. Um, and and one of the things that was kind of funny and, and was not in any way related to uh, socioeconomic or cultural or racial was just the the, the geography of the United States. Uh, kids that you know our fellow soldiers that were there from from um, the East Coast uh, could not get their heads around the size of the state of California. Um, when when you talk in terms of driving three or four or five or six hours and still being in the state, it's still being in the state. I mean, that's you're crossing five or six states in in the east to to accomplish the same thing. So it's completely different you know, I, for people I, over there. It absolutely is, and uh, and so that's 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 one of the ways that I grew was in in just learning about other parts of the world and and other ways of thinking. Now. Where was your favorite state to visit when you uh, had the chance? Well, um, and it can't be California. I know that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, over the years, I've visited a lot. We take a lot of road trips, uh, um, my family and then my wife and I. And uh, I have a daughter that lives in Seattle and a son that lives, uh, has lived in North Carolina and New Mexico and is now living in Massachusetts. Um, and so we pretty well crossed the country, um, both north, south, and east, west. Uh, but if I had to pick one favorite state other than California, I think it would be the state of Arizona. Uh, and if nothing else, because of really? the really Yeah. Yeah. You like that side of the Grand Canyon versus uh, Utah side, huh? Or are you more well, familiar with Arizona's side? I, you know, for the for the very first time, uh, I visited the North Rim this last summer. I I've been on the South Rim many times and spent much time both in the canyon as uh, and on the South Rim. But the first time I've been on the North Rim, 
Uh, and that's a, that's a truly special and, and very different place. But, no, you're right. The, the, you know, Arizona, this, uh, Utah, the southern part of Utah is, is gorgeous. It's, uh, it's stark. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't have any forest. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's got a beauty that uh, you know is 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 quite unique. But uh, no, you, you know, you you ask the question, you know, what's my favorite state other than California? And well, I, I got to say, it's uh, you know the, the the variety and the beauty of Arizona from from its north to its south. I you know it's not a bad choice. It's really not a bad choice, especially around Flagstaff and and such beautiful areas like that. Um, completely foreign from what a lot of people would view Arizona like, um, you know. Yeah, it's, it's more than it's more than swirl cactus. It's uh, it's much more. Yeah, yeah. It, it has it has diversity. It has water in in season, and and it's um, one of my favorite places to drive through. I've only been a handful of times, of course, um, but every time I've personally driven through, going to the rock shops and, and the different native establishments there, it's really, really awesome to see. Yeah, we're 66, and on the Mother Road, that's uh, mm-hmm. that's an iconic uh, uh, old highway for getting from uh, Chicago to, to L.A. And, and California. Our son graduated, son and his wife graduated from Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, great school. Uh, Arizona has a bunch of great schools, um, but uh, you know you can think of Phoenix and, and Tucson and the and the kind of the desert and the heat. Um, Flagstaff's at five thousand feet and it's full of ponderosa pine. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, you know, you just roll in there, especially in the colder months, and there's snow. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I didn't expect to see snow in Arizona on my trip, but you know, it's always a took- surprise. When I took my son down there to to visit the campus at, when he was in high school and, and considering it as a as a college, and by the way, you know, I, maybe at some point I can I can tell my son's story because it's much more interesting than mine. Um, but we uh, we flew into Phoenix and rented a car. Unfortunately, we we were either alerted to it or were smart enough to rent a four wheel drive Jeep uh, because by the time we got the Phoenix at Flagstaff, there was two feet of snow on the ground around the campus. So uh, yeah, it gets uh, it gets colder. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely uh, lucky you had the the wheels for that at that moment. Because again, yep. yeah, most people wouldn't um, wouldn't dare to even consider that. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, we can touch base on uh, your son's story. I, I'm very fascinated to hear. Um, I just wanted to ask you a quick question about Utah when you spent time up there. Did you go to Bryce Canyon? Absolutely. Bryce, Zion, uh, uh, the uh, Canyonlands, uh, all great places. Uh, Bryce is one of my favorites. I love, the, love hiking around the hoodoos. Uh, Zion is, is great, but it's, sure, it's, so, it's gotten so crowded, it's, it's really hard to find a, you know, a quality experience there. Um, one of the guys that I started park, you know, my park career with, ranger career with, was uh, loves um, uh, Canyonlands, and uh, uh, you know that's he's he's worked there seasonally for even in retirement. So it's a, a lot of diversity in that in that uh, part of the world. Yeah, yeah, it's um, and especially you know with with running some of these uh, national parks, it's 
a lot of maintenance and how much terrain there is. I, I couldn't imagine. Let's not forget uh, arches. Uh, and the uh, book that I grew up with was uh, Edward Abbey's uh, Desert Solitaire. Uh, that was a Bible for uh, for park rangers in, in, in his day. What was that book name? Desert, Desert Solitaire? Desert Solitaire, yep. And that's by who? Edward Abbey. He was a he was an nonconformist writer and park ranger, and and uh, he, uh, he he wrote Desert Solitaire as a park ranger at uh, Arches National Park um, before it was improved or when it was still really undeveloped, um, and uh, and then he later went on to write many other books, uh, but one of the ones that uh, uh, was was quite um, popular at the time was called the monkey wrench gang. And it was a story of a fictional story of his attempt to undo the building of the Glen Canyon dam, uh, that that dammed up the Colorado river to make Lake Powell. Uh, he was, he was adamantly against that environmentally. And, uh, so he, he conceived this plot of, uh, of, this gang that uh, went about to set to, to destroy the, the dam. Interestingly, years later, I learned that, that in 1983, uh, Glen Canyon Dam was almost destroyed by uh, a severe winter and floodwaters that came out of the Rockies and down and filled uh, Lake Powell to over the top of the dam. But fortunately, um, there was some active Bureau of Reclamation people that were working there at the time. They went down to Home Depot and bought a bunch of plywood and, and built additional um, uh, flashboards above the level of the dam to keep the dam from overtopping. And, and the spillways were eroding, and they almost lost the dam um, by just the sheer force of the of the amount of water that was was coming down there that that year, and at the same time, uh, three crazy uh, uh, river guides got a uh, got a boat, uh, a dory, and on the very height of the water flow on the release from Glen Canyon, um, they ran the Colorado River in something like thirty six hours instead of the two or three weeks that it normally takes. Uh, the book is called Emerald Mile, um, and it's uh, it's a fabulous read if you uh, if you enjoy the drama of uh, of nature at its worst or best. Truly awesome! Yeah, I I typed that out. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and paste this over um, so I can put these book references because they're very neat. Very, very, very neat. Um, and the, just so I have it, I, I, I kind of was uh, looking and, and trying to um, pace my notes when you were mentioning uh, the the canyon story, um, or sorry, the the dam story. But are so is desert solitary about that where a, a group of people almost try to sabotage the dam? No, uh, that's was that, I hearing that, that right. Desert Solitaire was was Edward Abbey's uh, reflections on his work at Arches National Park. Oh, that's, right. Mon- that's right. The Monkey Ranch, the Monkey Ranch gang, 
was his his book about Glen Canyon. Okay, that's that's where I um I knew I misheard something, and I wanted to just clarify um, yeah. because the the thing with that story is in. I'm going to geek out a little bit here, but I, I think you might find it interesting because I don't know how much you're familiar with the Fallout series, um, but the Fallout games, there's a Fallout New Vegas game, and there's a whole premise of uh, Caesar's Legion being part of the, the enemy faction, so to speak, the evil factions, um, where they try to take out and, and control Hoover Dam. Um, and, and it's like a whole element of the game. The core story is, is the dam is like who, who has the dam has the power in the apocalypse. And it it was just, it's, it's very aligns, you know, similar to, uh, the monkey wrench, um, you mentioned with, with that, it, it makes me think maybe they, they got a little bit of inspiration from that book actually. Could, could all be, you know, one dam is just up the, up the road from the other one yeah yeah no kidding um and you know it's it, i just i find that stuff very fascinating the way stories are told um it's very 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 unique um with some of the terrain we have on the west especially there, there's some drastic changes weather and, and and such can cause i mean it, talk to anyone in uh southern nevada and in arizona new mexico area about the monsoon season and yeah, they'll tell you what water looks like. <laughs> That's right. They see a lot of it, but it only—it's it, very concentrated times. Yeah, yeah. You know, when it, when it pours, it pours. But um, when it's dry, it's dry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the place uh, where Billy the Kid is buried is is an area I learned a little bit about traveling there. I didn't realize that their water was poisoned um, or contaminated. You know, um, in that whole area, they had to pump or retrieve water for the longest time outside of that area to that fort. And that was, that was kind of one of the things that made it interesting that that fort flooded one time, you know, and like who would have guessed that, that in a place so, so uh, detrimental on, on water and, and resource that you'd have flooding like that coming through it. But, you know, it's a very interesting environment in the, in uh, North America. It is indeed. Yeah. All over the well, world. Let me tell you, really, let, let me tell you, let me tell you my, uh, my son's story because yeah. you know, I think that uh, that might be instructive for, for somebody who might find himself or herself in a, in a similar situation. Uh, I spent 10 years um, as a park superintendent in the Central Valley, California, northern uh, San Joaquin. And uh, we lived in a little town of Gustine, which is 4,000 people. And the high school, um, the graduating class was something less than 50. Um, and so a small town. And our daughter graduated from high school there. And our son went to high school there. And, and uh, he really wasn't all that motivated as a, uh, as a student. And, you know, he took just enough to get by. And he got out of got out of or we moved actually for his senior year moved up to uh, the Redwoods up to to Northern California where I, I was working up there as a, as a park superintendent and uh, so he finished his senior year in in the Redwoods and 
when he got done, he was, you know, he, he enjoyed playing his guitar and, you know, he didn't have much ambition. His, his real goal in life was to take the Greyhound bus to San Francisco, maybe form a band and just kind of hang out. And uh, we said, you know, you've got more talent than that. And, and, and we think probably you could probably do, um, do well by, by, by trying to see if you could develop your music in some way. And, and we'd heard about through one of his guitar magazines, we heard about a, a music school in Hollywood. And so we went down and checked it out and he thought, you know, that looked pretty good and he'd, he'd like to go there. So he went to Musicians Institute and he said at the time, he said, I don't want to go to college. There's nothing that anybody can teach me that I want to learn. Uh, so instead he went to music school in, in Hollywood and lived on his own in an apartment. And, you know, he learned a lot of music, but he learned a lot about life. He learned how to take care of himself, how to cook for himself, how to pay his own bills. Um, because, you know, we were six, 700 miles away. And uh, he walked back and forth to uh, classes because they didn't have a car or any other means of transportation. Um, and he was around music people 24-7. And after... About a year there, we'd come down and visit him. And, and remember, he grew up in Northern and Central California. And he said, when we'd come to visit him, he said, take me anywhere that's green. You know, he just longed for something that wasn't quite so urban. And so we'd go visit Griffith Park or one of the parks around there. And after a year and a half in Hollywood, he decided that he didn't want to do music full-time, that, that 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 kind of a life was not something that he was interested in. So he moved back close to where he had grown up in Central Valley, and uh, he was going to form a band and kind of kick around. But we kind of thought maybe he ought to take at least a class or two at the junior college. So he decided he, he'd enroll in the junior college. And he took a couple of classes and, and then he said, well, you know, as long as I'm taking some classes, maybe I'll take a full load. And uh, he was taking kind of the, the bonehead classes because he hadn't, he hadn't taken any advanced classes in, in high school. So to take anything at all, he kind of had to start at the beginning. And uh, one day he called up and he said, you know, I'm, I'm taking all these classes and everything. He says, what does it take to get a doctorate? Well, we didn't know at the time, but he had taken an astronomy class, and that lit his fire. He got so interested in astronomy and found out that he had an aptitude for math and science. And eventually he, uh, uh, you know, he got, did well in his classes. And he was in a chemistry class, and he suddenly realized that his lab partner was, was kind of interesting and she turned out to eventually be his wife and they moved on to uh, Northern Arizona university where uh, they got five undergraduate degrees between them. He got a degree in, in um, chemistry, astronomy, and physics. And he went on from there to uh, North Carolina to Wake Forest and got a doctorate in physics and he's now writing uh, programs, uh, doing writing code for a company that uh, 
takes on clients and solves massive uh, physical physics problems uh, for uh, the tech industry, for the uh, for the government, for the military, for all kinds of all kinds of people. So, you know, it doesn't take much to uh, to get you motivated. But but once you once you set a goal and you get get yourself motivated. You can accomplish amazing things, and you know I, I'm I'm really proud of him for for eventually sticking with it. But it was it was a struggle for him at the start. Yeah, that that level of commitment is is nothing to shake a stick at. It's it's a very long process to to go through that, and man, that's that's quite the story, actually. I'm glad you shared that, and and that's hopeful for people maybe going through their education, um, kind of wondering if it's worth it, you know, and if it's something that they they can drive passion through. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people yeah. struggle to find that that um, you know send all thing that that they they enjoy. And you know, um, the, I I used to sit on the school board, and you know, we were we were always trying to balance the academic side with the technical trades side. And certainly in California, and I think it's true nationwide, you know, we have really emphasized going to college and get into four year or more degree and de-emphasize um, getting a skill, going to trade school, um, going through an apprenticeship. And we shouldn't be doing that because there is absolute value in finding whatever your passion is and whatever your skill set is and maximizing that. And not everybody needs to go to college because we don't need a college degree to, uh, to, to do tech support. Um, we, you know, we don't need a college degree to fix the plumbing or the electrical in your house. Um, but we sure need those people to uh, you know, to call on when the when the when the toilet backs up, um, and you know that that's just as honorable a trade as as somebody that has a degree but can't find a job. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's hard work in a lot of situations, uncomfortable work. Um, there's, I mean, with the weather conditions, how they've been in Central Oregon and such, like <laughs> knowing knowing certain trades out here that operate through through the seasons it's crazy how they hey, manage to, who, to get through you know who doesn't want somebody that knows how to drive a snowplow yeah yeah you you definitely have the job security there uh, absolutely put yourself in a little bit of a discomfort you know through to to put you in a place of of better you know in the future or for your family even i mean a lot of people it's it's necessity, man, to to keep um, improving their skills because they take that home, they work on their property, work on the ranch or whatnot. A lot of people uh, have been getting more into gardening, so uh, knowing how to build and and fabricate wood and metal structures is a very important skill these days. You know, it it it, it comes from self reliance living. You know, in a in a place where you don't have a lot of skills around, a lot of lot of of um, support around you, a lot of, of of assets, and figuring things out for yourself. Um, you know, whether it's uh, 
um, putting together a uh, you know a, a piece of furniture from IKEA, or whether it's um, you know fixing the the network when it goes down the Wi-Fi in your home. Um, you know those things. That's uh, those are great skills to have, and and the more of those little tidbits you pick up along the way, uh, the better off you are. My father was was a geek. Uh, you know, he was he, he came from a from a simple background. As his father was, uh, his father was actually a pastor in early life, and then was a was a kind of a, a, a low low level farmer. And uh, that was, you know, it came out of a you know agricultural culture. But my father was interested in radios and electronics, and uh, you know, he spent his life working in. Um, electrical engineering and into his nineties, he was still tinkering around with computers and, and getting the latest software and getting the latest uh, hardware and, and, and doing things, you know, just because he had that passion and, and he followed it. Keep those passions and keep pursuing them. Um, and, uh, you know, just in setting up for this, uh, for this podcast this morning, Cameron, we had a few little uh, glitches with uh, with devices and, and Bluetooth and whatnot. But uh, uh, you know, we we, we worked through them because uh, we didn't give up. Yeah, it, trust me, it's it's no easier on this end of the the bargain. <laughs> I I again, like with you, I I totally thought I injected details that that I, I meant to inject in in the situation earlier, but I. I am only human and I have to admit when I'm, I make my mistakes and, and this process is all about the trial and error. Um, podcasting is, is fun, but you know, it, there's, there's a lot of different subjects to, to cover and, and talk on. Uh, it's something like I, I mentioned earlier before recording the politics, especially um, I grapple with how to a healthy discussion looks right. Cause that's something in society it's hard to know what a healthy discussion looks like because there's a lot of situations where it's not a healthy discussion right now and there's factors that make it so um a lot of that is stress people are stressed financially and and it's, it's a hard time you know people are struggling with 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 various elements like that that they feel truly are out of their control but trying to bring control back to, to a person's life, even if it's for yourself, is, is important. It's monumentally life-changing to at least get a sense of logic to the situation at hand. Um, you, well, I think, I, I think that, that when, you're, when you're dealing with politics and, and with people's opinions, um, and I think it was Mike Rowe on one of his podcasts that, that said the absolute worst thing that you can say is I'm absolutely positive. Because as soon as you lock yourself into your point of view, you shut down the opportunity to hear someone else's point of view. And it, it, in my judgment, we have lost in this country the willingness to accept or listen to other points of view. And that takes a certain amount of humility. And it takes a certain amount of willingness to um, give some of your gain ground in order to gain perhaps something greater. And I know 
I'm personally saddened by the loss of civility and the loss of compromise in this country um, because we are no longer developing what I would consider to be good public policy. Um, we're entrenched in, in points of view that don't consider other points of view. And that's sad. That's very sad. I would agree. Yeah, I, uh, the sense of cohesion is is lost in a lot of these situations. Um, but th that's also why I, I stress and, and really have tried to make it known for podcast guests that this is educational. At the root, I, I want this show to be educational for not just Americans, but people outside of America to understand, um, you know, th that most of our guests are, of course, going to be Americans, um, just due to my situation being in the states it's hard to find those international connections but there are there are some uh international connections i want to make um because i i want to discover what people feel how they feel about um society outside of their own too you know it's there's always something to learn um in those exchanges and through those networking connections um but the the thing with with podcasting that makes me excited, and it's not just podcasting, but I, I think the steps uh, that we can take as a society to, to push towards better and truly come down to uh, improving our communication among peers and having a sense of community, having having that sense of, of structure and understanding why structure is there to begin with. You know, we, we can make jokes and we can have fun and, and, and bicker and, you know, spend time on social medias or whatnot. But it, at the end of the day, there's there's a sense of urgency to these situations. We have to decide, you know, but it, it's a daily struggle to find balance. I think you would agree with that. It's if you stop, if you ever stop actively trying to create a healthy environment, then that environment magically disappears pretty quick. Um, I remember clearly um, an interview I saw on television uh, with a young woman who was perhaps even a first-time voter. And this was in the uh, 2020 election. And, and she was astonished. I'm sorry, it was the 2016 election. She was astonished at the at the election of Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. And the comment that she made was, I thought everybody believed as I did. And that suggests to me that she's listening to only one side or one point of view or one set of media that's telling her what she wants to hear or what's comfortable for her and believing that that's universal and not not paying enough attention to in that case what 51 percent of the population that felt differently and and I I think we're so closely evenly divided in this country that we're well served to pay attention to what the other side is saying and 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 they likewise um, because I don't see how we can survive 
as as a society if we are not listening to what other people are saying. Yeah. No, it's, it's not sustainable. Our country is not sustainable where we're at. We have to change the way we approach things. And that comes with a lot of humility. You know, it, it doesn't mean back off of our principles and our values right at, at the core. Um, and, and I think that's the struggle is differentiating the two. When, when is, when is a, a battle really good to pick um, and, and choose to fight rather than try to dictate and in, in, in diplomatic means between the other? Because there, there usually is a middle ground that, that people want to ev- eventually find. I'd say the majority. Well, I, I, I would hope so. And, and you know, the, the, the desire to dominate is not healthy. You know, if you have a desire to cooperate and to um, achieve something that's, that's mutually agreeable, the consensus idea, you know, you're, we're a lot better off. Um, you know, we don't study history much anymore, but if you go back a few years and you look at the era of Ronald Reagan and Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill. Very, very different political positions, very, very different um, uh, philosophies of life. And they did battle on many, many things, but they also became good friends. And, you know, they would, they would tug and pull and argue and, and take, you know, fight for their point of view. But then when the day was over, they'd go out and have a beer together. And, and that's what's missing. That's what's missing. The, the ability to uh, keep things in perspective and, and, and not hold on to your views so tightly that you, uh, that you ignore or put down the other point of view. You know, uh, just based off of kind of you explaining that, I, I, I was thinking something through my head. It's, it's almost like um, social media has created a, uh, an extension, like uh, an extreme version of um, isolation or segregation, because it's on the personal level, and that's that's almost worse because things are personalized. It feeds off of what you extend into it. So, if you don't have the wherewithal to do your research to to fact check for things around you. You, it may very well be true that you're missing the facts. You're missing the, the truths of the situation that, that at least the perspective to understand there's, there's always multiple sides to the situation, especially with, with, with our society. I mean, I don't just hate liberals or, or conservatives just because they're a certain way. I accept that these are people in our country that probably have demands for a reason. And they probably feel a certain way for a reason. And we just have to be compassionate enough to understand there are neighbors first and not, not our enemies first. Well, first of all, you, you have to hope that they do have a reason and they aren't just going along with the crowd or because, you know, they want their team to win. And, uh, and I, think a, I, I think the team or the sports mentality has sort of taken over where we root for the people on our side and we, uh, you know, we veer the people on the other side. And that's and that's unfortunate. And you know, Cameron, what what I, I'm reminded of as you talk about social media and the and the culture that has developed around social media and the anonymity that that allows, 
I'm struck by the contrast to the way I grew up, going back to that class of 27 boys and 10 girls, going back to that basic training with people from all over the world thrown together in the same barracks. Um, you know, there were there have been opportunities in the past where people of different points of view are brought together, you know, either against their will or because of their will, but have learned how to to uh, work together. And maybe we need to look for more of those opportunities and spend less time on social media platforms that, that don't allow for that. I think community workshops have been one thing in recent years. I've, I've really grown to value um, the, the strength of that kind of resource. You know, it, because it brings those skills together. It gets a hands-on. It shows the value of trades. You know, maybe someone has a tradesman as their, their parent. And, you know, oh, well, look, I know how to use a, a square and a ruler because I, you know, my father's a carpenter. And they bring that up and bring that in and well you know all of a sudden you you uh you've interacted with your academics you know you've interacted through that engagement to find out that you are you're unique in this way you know maybe maybe you hold these values a little different from from uh your father or your family member in that case you do things a little differently maybe you hold the tape measure this way and you figure out the way that works best for you. But the, the fact that you made that engagement, it, it really that's, that's the inspiration people need in a lot of cases to, to learn how to do it themselves. Yeah, saw and, a hammer don't have a, saw and a hammer don't have a political uh, opinion. You know, they're just tools. And uh, anybody can use them, you know, regardless of their, of their point of view. So I, I, you're absolutely right. Uh, Community volunteer uh, efforts and and uh, uh, opportunities to come together and work on something collect, co- uh, collaboratively, um, great great for uh, breaking down those barriers. Yeah, I I had a little bit of community service assigned to me when I was in the Christian school, and you know it, a lot of people were like, "Oh, ten hours, ten hours of community service. Oh, how am I going to get that done?" You know, and I I when I went. I, I just washed windows and swept businesses and, and, you know, did, did things that as, as a youth, I could only do so much for these businesses, you know, but um, the, the fact that I went out and, and looked at them first in my community because I valued them being a part of it. Uh, they really grew to appreciate that. That's part of the reason I have a good business connects in Quincy is because I spent time to get to know those business owners. Um, and you know, sometimes things don't always work out. You don't, you don't always agree with a hundred percent of the people, especially in your hometown. I think most people agree with that one, but it's, um, it's worth the effort to, to try to engage in a positive way, at least, um, positive in the sense that you're bringing them something too. You're not just always pulling from that business, pulling from, from your community. You're, you're bringing something back to your community. That's important. You know, if you really care about where you come from in the roots, like put a little effort into the things you appreciate in that uh, community, you know, and it doesn't always mean it's going to go a crazy place, but the people that are there will, will always appreciate 
that you took the time to think about them and, and to step out of your daily norm to, to apply something positive. Well, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with showing a little kindness, a uh, little generosity, a little thoughtfulness, uh, helping the other person, um, maybe not expecting anything back. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to volunteer. It's good to help others. And, uh, you know, you, you get your own rewards from that. Yeah. Yeah. Having appreciation for, for what you're gaining, um, just through spending time. I mean, even if it's, if it's committing, you know, committing to a project with some people, it's hard. Uh, I know I struggled in school with engagement. A lot of kids did, um, you know, curriculum can prove to be a little boring. If you're not into math, you're not into history like some other people and having, um, a degree of, engagement there is is tough but when you're able to appreciate why those things are there and and those things are there to improve upon you that you can take that and and take that any direction you want you know put that into your career eventually like there's plenty of things from high school that i did that i still refer to um with with references and such maybe it's not all the time you know but i can at least say oh this is this is similar to a project I did, or this is similar to engagements I had with, with faculty um, and in learning about uh, bureaucracy in, in school. And those are things that I've, I've taken personally that, that helped me to understand the importance of teaching this to other people. Because if they never took the time to talk to me or to acknowledge that I was even present, um, I, I would have never engaged the way I did. Um, I like a lot of people, um, you know, tend to be a little antisocial and it's hard to get, it's hard to feel like you're properly engaged, um, to the degree that people want you to engage like a party, you know, the party is a perfect example. You're, you've got a group of popular individuals and you got, you got the, the group that's a little less known, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're okay. Maybe they're really cool, but, you don't know. So you're going to risk that dynamic of your cool group, your, your state stability for that. Well, you, you wouldn't know if, if someone never pulled you into the cool group, what you potentially could be missing if you engaged with that. So it's a, it's always a whole dynamic, but that, that dynamic really never changes outside of high school. It's, it's a, it comes with any group, you know, even the, even a community group. Well, I think it takes some sensitivity. Uh, it takes the uh, ability to kind of look at your surroundings, assess what's going on, uh, maybe pick out that one or two uh, opportunities to um, uh, to extend a hand or or to uh, to 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 make a new friend, um, put yourself out a little bit, uh, and you might find that uh, the rewards are are, are great. Um, you know, my son is a perfect example. If he hadn't uh, noticed that chemistry uh, partner in his, his chem lab, um, he would probably wouldn't be married now. But uh, he, he found a new friend, and it was a good one. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't think you, uh, you can sell too short the, um, the experiences that you make as you go along in life. And, you know, even in high school, if you're 
if you're taking classes that are kind of boring and you're not sure you're getting anything out of it, you might be getting more out of it than you realize. And it becomes part of your nature and it's, it's, it's part of your character. It's in there somewhere. And sometimes when you least, least expect it, it gets drawn out. And uh, sometimes you say, where did that come from? But, uh, you know, you can, you can draw on that when you need it and uh, apply it. So there's a very universal lesson there too, especially for those who don't give themselves credit for it is, if you got out of bed and you got yourself <laughs> there and you know you're 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 present like that's part of the struggle it's being 90 is just showing up yep yeah and and you know employers will tell you that all the time i've, I've heard that a lot you, know, you showed up you you came punctually you know we'll probably hire you like <laughs> it, it's a lot of it is is just engagement they want to see you commit some level of of prioritization and again it, all this whole podcast is going back to priorities you know and it really uh it really does come down to to the core belief you carry it about how important that is and i i think this is, is a great discussion so far honestly very educational on on um the social level yeah i think um you know i as i said before um you know you you, you're, you're born, you, you start to grow up, you don't have a clue. Uh, but there's, there's influences coming at you from all directions. Uh, some are positive, some are not. Um, you react to all of them, and you, you, you take in the ones that are good and hopefully learn from the ones that aren't. And step by step, little by little, you grow into the kind of person that you would you would hope to be and you would hope others would want you to be. With the active life of the outdoors coming up, people are looking to be out and about more. Sasquatch Farms CBD brings organically grown products in the Sierra Nevadas from the soil to the people. Farmer John has worked on green projects on the farm since 2013. He looks forward to providing you with the highest quality soaps, salves, CBD tinctures, pre-rolls, along with some other fresh products. It takes a community in farming to survive, so any efforts made to support our farmers in the world helps to support our society as a whole. So remember, if you can't catch them out on the farmer's market, catch them online at sasquatchfarmscbd.com. That's sasquatchfarmscbd.com. Thank you. Now back to the show. Well, and you know, speaking about hoping, and I know this is a weird transition, but bear with me here. I see you worked at U-Haul before. Am I am I mistaken? Yes, you are. Oh, so you U-Hauled yourself? <laughs> okay. That, the, the, <laughs> the reference the reference to U-Haul um, comes after the reference to um, R-A-K-B-A-K, which is our two, two kids, Robin Kolb and, and Brian Kolb. And, you know, one of the tasks of a parent is to give kids roots and wings. And we tried to give our kids uh, a sense of who they are, where they fit in, how much they're loved, 
um, give them some skills. As I said, it took our son a little while to learn that. Um, but giving them a sense of confidence and honestly, growing up in a small town is is a is a wonderful opportunity to to be not a small fish in a big pond, but a big fish in a small pond. Um, and I've seen kids in this community, as well as the kids in the communities that, that we raised our kids, have an opportunity to engage with leadership of the town, of the community, uh, to be known and to know them, uh, and, and to have a sense of confidence and assurance about them that, that serve them well. So that's that's a good place to grow to grow up and get yourself ready for life, but at some point, you know, you you got to kick them kick them out of the nest. They they got to they got to take wing. They got to fly, and the U-Haul reference was the time in in my life when I was renting U-Hauls to haul our kids to the next stage of their life. And in our daughter's case, it was all the way up to Spokane to go to school, and then it was to Seattle to start jobs and start a life there. In our son's case, it was uh, Arizona and, and you know and, and Modesto and uh, you know Los Angeles and, and places like that. So our job was to facilitate them leaving and getting on their own. And while we supported them in that. Our, our expectation was that you know they would become independent, functioning members of society, and uh, and uh, that was our task was to uh, was to let them go, and I I, I think they have, they've accomplished all of that and more, and I'm tremendously proud of them. Was that hard on you at first? Well, harder than you anticipated it being. It was, yeah, it was hard in the doing um, because there's so much stuff to figure out and so much in logistics and so much in emotion. And, um, you know, and they're trying to figure themselves out. And, you know, sometimes the, 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 the separation is tearing, uh, it's, it's ripping apart. Um, and sometimes that causes some stress and emotion. Um, but when it's done, uh, you know, you find that you have, you know, two holes instead of a bunch of halves. Um, and, uh, you know, they, it's, it's great to have people that you could now look to as, as friends and as people that are uh, accomplishing their own things in life. And uh, uh, you share things together with them, but on a much different level. You know, we're no, we're no longer parents, we're uh, supporters, fans. Yeah, and that's definitely the cycle of life. It's it's a hard discussion. Um, oh, well, it's one other thing, too. It's one other thing, too, Cameron, and that's, you know, and, and if you're if you do this right and you you get them on their on their own and independent and you treat them well, you should because they're the ones that are going to pick your convalescent hospital or your retirement home. So uh, <laughs> there's yeah, uh, there a is a cycle. Thing, right? There that's is a cycle. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's something when I wanted to be a doctor, my dad was always telling me, uh, um, I want to be your janitor. <laughs> so I was like, bring me in. I'll be the, I'll be the janitor. I don't mind. I'll push a broom. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm uh, fortunate that our daughter became a nurse so she can take care of us in her old age. Hey, that's, that's a good bargain. Yeah. That's a little more, uh, a little more affordable than some, some other, uh, situations. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I wanted to, get to our closing statements a little bit more i think we've we've uh covered quite a bit actually we we had a really good discussion there on and uh quite a few fronts and, and i really appreciate your your genuine appreciation for for being here um or i i genuinely appreciate you being here excuse me i said that backwards um but this this is honestly so fun and and i hope you've enjoyed the time so far well, it's been an honor to, to talk with you, Cameron, and, and you know, if, if anything that I've said is useful and anything in my life is useful to others, then, then it's to your success and your credit for, uh, for making the effort and putting it out there. Um, so I, I congratulate you on your efforts. Well, and, and that means a lot, John. It, it wouldn't be anything without a sense of community, right, and the networking that's involved um i've spent months doing this now and and uh it's you know it, it's something that humbles me every episode uh, to a degree where i just I, i'm always a little uncomfortable because it's always new you know and and but I, i'm appreciative of that uncomfortable uncomfortable feeling because that that allows for me to grow and 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 spectate different things about myself that that i can improve on um especially through my guests and, and what they bring and what you've shared with me today is, is especially eye-opening uh, there's some information there i would have never considered um today otherwise uh, with you mentioning it so i well, again i i appreciate it and yeah what you said is, is wonderful there's there's so much to derive from from your knowledge i hope you you understand that um there, there's always discussion to be had, you know, and, and even if it's just talking to the other percussionists at orchestra and, and <laughs> you know, making yourself uh, known in, in the community for for that, you know, it's it, it's not a little thing if it has ripple effects, right? That's right. You know, you, you mentioned a couple of times the word humility, and I think uh, I may have as well. Um, I think that's often where it starts. Um, you know, if, if you have a sense of yourself in the world that's not out of place, that that you you find yourself placed in the world in the in the in the in the proper relationship to everybody and everything else, um, you know, I, I think you're well served. If you if you have a more of an inflated opinion of yourself or of, of your position. That tends to that's that puts people off, and if you come in um, with you know certainly on an on an equal basis or even on a you know in a humble way, uh, you have the opportunity to uh, to gain from from others. Um, I heard it said recently that wisdom is the ability to be proficient with the 
complexities and challenges of life. And if you become proficient in the complexities of social interactions and you know skills, job skills, trade skills, whatever, and and are proficient in the complexities of life. And going back to your one of your first questions was about alcohol and the effects that it can have on you. Um, that's one of the complexities of life. If you're proficient in understanding the effects of that, the consequences of that, the effects of the challenges that you face in life, if you're proficient in those things, then you become wise. And if you are not so um, inflated in your ego that you tend to think that that's all of, as a result of your efforts and not all of the people that have contributed in, in lar- ways large and small to your growth and your attaining that wisdom. Um, if, you, uh, if you're able to be wise and humble, then I think you have a recipe for a good life. And uh, for me, um, and we haven't we haven't really touched on that, but you know, I have I have a faith basis that tells me exactly where my place is in in the universe, and that I'm not the smartest person. Uh, I'm not even the one that uh, gets to call the shots. Um, but it gives it gives me a, a great sense of of peace to know that. Uh, you know that that I can make mistakes and I can be forgiven for those mistakes, and I can I can move on with the proper sense of humility and the proper sense of wisdom. Yeah, and that links up with with my reference to Steve Jobs earlier with knowing your your you you have to have faith in something to to be able to look back on and and to get you to get you forward to that point of looking back, um, and that comes with balance there's um there's a lot of different spiritual journeys out there i mean mine included i i've talked on the show various times like you know i used to be christian um for a long time i grew up around it and and it's i I completely understand why why the connection's there you know i i feel there is there is a connection in this world um i've never felt different about that but it to the degree we function with that connection is is always the part that i feel people get lost you know um it's hard to know exactly what the right choices are and having a sense of good and bad are, are things that we've grown to know as as humans for over generations past before our own so there's there's always a a healthy discussion to be had there i I feel and um this is really truly not to not meant to undermine your statements or anything i just um it it's always interesting to me um looking looking kind of connecting my dots back because of my current beliefs and and seeing where my mind goes with it and it's not negative. It's never negative. I, I love hearing that people are inspired to to live their lives. That's ultimately the goal I want to see. I I don't. It, it's not again like the politics picking a side. It's not the intent, but it is necessary 
to choose the avenue you want to put your efforts towards. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be on one certain side to do it. And that's kind of where my personal beliefs come uh, into play with uh, my spiritual journey. Because I, I do, again, feel connected with people. It's the whole reason I wanted to do podcasting. But it's if you can't be honest with yourself on where you feel you need to do soul searching, then you can't really open yourself and expose yourself truly to, to what there is to learn from that journey, what there is uh, offered from that journey. Um, that's why these open discussions are very valuable to me. And, and I feel a lot of, a lot of others out there, especially struggling with, with, um, their, their walk as Christians or, or other spiritual journeys. Again, it's, it's not, not to fault that in any way. Um, it's, it's just, you never know what a person's going through until you talk to them. And I think that's a good lesson that I've obtained through my years of Christian uh, studies, like brother, brotherly love, you know, having agape as Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, mentioned in his speech, brotherly love and, and connections. And in, in that sense is it's something I still value. I, I, I see you and I, I see a fellow human that had the blessing of being here this long um, to, to be able to talk with me and bless bless my life in turn um, with with things that I may not have considered. And hopefully, you know, things I can take and, and improve this show with, improve my communication with people. So as long as or as, as much as that sounds conceited, it's it's genuinely from a good place. Um and, and one of thankfulness and gratitude. Well, good for you, Cameron. I, and I, I think that's a that's a fair expression of it sounds like where you are on on, on your journey. Um, uh, I'm, I'm probably a little bit further down the road than you, maybe a lot further down the road than you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've had some of those same um, struggles and, 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 and considerations and and you know, I, I said once that, it, you know, the worst thing is to be absolutely certain. But one thing that I'm absolutely certain of is um, that I'm not in charge, that I don't have all the answers. And that the, as I look around this, this world and uh, the complexities and diversities of this world, um, it's, it's clear to me that... Um, this all didn't happen by accident. And so I got to tap into that and, and I could have, I could have put myself in the proper place in that environment and, uh, and respond to it appropriately. And, uh, to the best of my ability, I try to do that. And, uh, that for me is, is the path that I've taken for uh, virtually all of my life and will continue until, I'm no longer here, and after that, I know exactly where I will be. And for that, like I, I do commend you. You know, having having faith is not easy. Um, I, I mean, I spent a long time again debating, even with my own family, on uh, Christian beliefs and 
Well, I wouldn't want to have. Right. I wouldn't want to have the alternate. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to have no faith. You got to have faith in something. And yeah. if, if you have no, if you have no faith and no hope, then it's pretty hopeless. So yeah, figure out it, what it is that you believe. It really is a simple, not to undermine it again, but a simple concept. Like you, you have to, and I mean, it goes back to kind of roots of nationality. Like it's to, to have pride in, in your country. Um, that can, that can be a great thing. Right. But uh, it, it's to say like, you can be very religious or, or very spiritual, but if you're extending out in a way that's not positive in a way that's overbearing, um, then it becomes less less about your message and, and the action, like the, the core the core element that, that should be a positive. Um, and it kind of becomes distorted, you know, through through being rushed, being being forced. And that's that's I think where a lot of uh, religion gets a bad rap, you know. There's there's a lot of forced in engagements um, through history that Unfortunately, it's it's tainted a lot of uh, how people view um, various beliefs. I mean, and that's not just just for Christianity. That's for a lot of things. For every religion, I would you know beg to say, and I, I and that's saying that I know every religion, which is impossible. <laughs> I could <laughs> never know that. I, I no none of us could. I mean, that's that's an individual level encounter we're talking about you know and well i i strive to be and i i would hope others would strive to be a mirror not a spotlight to reflect uh the beliefs and not try to to uh, spotlight on on others their faults yeah yeah uplifting you know bringing bringing an uplifting nature is is really where i i I hope to, to dwell and, and that's why I've been working on my positivity because if I can't work on that within myself, I could never hope to achieve that through others, you know, and, and it, again, it, one of the greatest examples, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like Jesus Christ is a very, very great example. Of that. I mean, someone who walked out of the way to, to make good known to, to places that needed it, to, to people that needed it. Like how awesome is that? Like, there's there's definitely a respect um and and a lesson to be had from that respect of others and it's like that's the cool parts of history for me is is that living element to it that that still resides in every one of us that that we're people you know and in civilizations that, that are different but but similar to Times past, you know, and it's up to us to to harbor the strength to improve and, and grow as as people, maybe in different directions. But we can we can survive if we if we really open our eyes to each other's struggles. Well, you you mentioned Martin Luther King Jr. and you know there have been many writers over the years that have written volumes on on the subject of good and evil and, and, you know, positive and negative and the, the, the sense that is within each one of us that struggles between those two. Um, 
you know, and you you, you gotta you gotta emphasize the positive and and uh, suppress the negative. Um, you know, we we all we all fall short, but you know, if we are, are ready to to admit that and learn from that and correct that um, and, and and allow others to do the same. Uh, then this world will be a better place. And uh, the teachings of Jesus and Gandhi and Dr. King and all the others um, will have a will have a positive impact. Um, so uh, I wish you well on your journey, Cameron. Well, that means a lot, John. I, I and as to you, truly, I these these kinds of discussions are the reason I'm honest about it. Um, because you know i i could have uh i could have bit my lip and tried to tried to take a path that i didn't feel comfortable taking um at the time or i could have been honest and and just lived in truth for myself i why would i conceal uh something that i've spent most of my life uh actively trying to break down and trying to understand and appreciate I don't I don't intend to, to harm with with my journey it's just truly one of academic reasoning and again I'm, I'm thankful that I'm able to to take that time to have a, a situation where I'm given that time a lot of people in life that you know the past feudal societies like people get invaded and what are you going to do you're gonna sit there and and pray and maybe that's it like how could i be ignorant that i've been given a chance um to have time and to have reasoning to at least approach things in a reasonable way in a, in a honest way like of, of connection and and again like what you're saying is true. I've seen a, a lot of people that really, really have had their lives changed from um, walking, walking in, you know, with Christ. And I don't think it's something people should dismiss because there's elements there that are, they may not fully agree with. I think having a discussion and opening yourself up to those discussions with with neighbors maybe uh you know it's uh, over islam too i've talked to people that believe and and study the quran and they're great people you know that they're individuals working hard trying to provide for their families they care about their families you know they they value their customers like it's no different it's it's um it's different on of course, personal level, but but if the respect is mutual, it, it comes comes to that level. It doesn't have to get necessarily personal with everyone all the time. And then again, it comes back to the politics. We don't have to always dig and, and see why that person made that choice. We should just respect that that person has that choice. And we don't have to necessarily fault them for it. I think we've circled back to the beginning where uh, the, the point that I, I tried to make at the beginning was you don't get to choose where you're born or to or, or with whom you're born. Um, but once you're there, 
uh, you start swimming, and uh, it's uh, it's either upstream or downstream. Uh, but uh, hopefully, uh, you get to the end, and and you've uh, you've done well. So. No, right great, great tieback. It is truly <laughs> a great tieback. Well, and, and with that, we actually have, I have two closing questions for you, sir. Okay. Um, the first one would be, do you have any, and, and I have recorded the, the books that you recommended earlier, um, and I'll put those in links to um, for viewers as well if they'd like to check them out. But I wanted to ask if you had any other forms of media, books, podcasts, uh, websites that you'd like to share with anyone that you find uh, helpful in, in your your journey of life? Well, I think I mentioned before we started the podcast that, that I've enjoyed Mike Rowe and his, uh, um, the way I heard it, uh, story behind the story. Uh, great writer, um, takes a, a, a little tidbit of historical uh, you know, event and, uh, and then uh, Teases that into uh, uh, a you know little known fact that uh, uh, that that comes out something that you didn't know you knew or or, or, or knew about but you didn't know the story behind it. Um, so that's 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 been enjoyable and and he he's now doing a uh, a broadcast on uh, a TBN network um, where they take those stories and then and then. You know, tease apart afterwards, and, and that's 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 been enjoyable. Um, so that's uh, that's that's one I'd recommend. No, that's a great recommendation. I'll I'll make sure to put that down and post that in the description for viewers. I I do also like Mike Rowe. He's a great individual. Uh, talk about boots on the ground too. I mean, his dirty dirty jobs was true. Yeah, that, that was a quite the quite the show to record man i i really give him props for for making it as long as he did yeah truly and you know respect all those those hard-working men and women out there that are doing those jobs. The foundation he's, the foundation he started now that uh, that supports those those trades and uh, gives scholarships i mean that's uh, that's a that's a great thing he's doing super super cool that would be great to have mike on the show sometime uh, there's, uh, on our yeah, he's Northern California. He lives in Northern California. Yeah, yeah. No, he's home turf. Home. Uh, we can. Uh, we are real men, you know. We'll. we'll uh, I'll have to invite you back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last question I have for you is is uh, more personal. Do you have any closing statements for the audience? To thine own self be true, but don't take yourself too seriously. I love it. I love it. <laughs> to the point. And music is music is a spice of life. <laughs> that I would agree with, man. Yeah, yeah. music's lifeblood. And and for those who who haven't known, um, because I didn't really make this clear, I'll I'll put it in the the intro too. But yeah, John's been a a good friend of mine the since since orchestra and and we as much as uh i mean i i haven't been able to talk with you as much as i, I really truly wish i could i um 
that's something this show gives me a little more avenue with, you know, to bring people in and uh, have a coordinated discussion that we can get to know each other a little bit more. And, and honestly, I, I'm super, super thankful that, that we were able to make this happen and, and have you on. I think this has been great. Um, you've been great company and, and it's don't, don't ever dis, dis, uh, disapprove on your, your collection of life. Okay. You, you've had quite the life adventure, my friend. And, and I think it's very fascinating and, and a lot of people will agree. Um, and I, I, I just, I can't thank you enough, John, seriously. Well, I've had rare opportunities and, uh, you know, I, 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 I credit many people in my life that, uh, that paved the way for me. I, you know, you stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before and you hope that, that, uh, you make way for the, for the people like, uh, like, like you, Cameron, that can play the drum set better than me, that uh, they come after us. So. Well, man, now you're now you're getting personal. Oh, I need to I need to brush up on my drum set. You don't want to know. It, it might be rough now. I uh, I had to give my drum set away when I moved, and that was a hard one, man. That was a really hard one. But I donated donated it to kids in the area. There you and, go. You know, you go. like so you're passing it on to. Yep, starting a new generation of drummers. Hopefully, man. I really um, I really wish well. And, and your week to come and and this has honestly been a great episode today and and i appreciate i'm sure john appreciates the viewers we have and who've made it this far potentially down the line <laughs> so i appreciate it and this has been the world networking podcast folks thanks again for being here today we really enjoyed this one and i love talking to john every time he has such great stories to tell and a great attitude to tell them with. And I really appreciate having him on the show today. I really hope you guys enjoyed and please don't forget to drop any feedback or send us an email if you want to outreach and possibly be on the show or if you know anyone that you'd like to send our way. We really appreciate that kind of feedback and hope that you find a positive message out of today's episode. I know I did. Thanks again, John, and this has been the World Networking Podcast. Take care.